You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. With me now is Joanne Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town, and we're going to look at well, we're going to look at everything actually. And I think Joanne, the first thing that we have to do is look back a little bit in order to look forward a lot. 2022, to my layman's mind, will go down as the year when well entrenched. Trends. I mean, when I say well entrenched, I mean the bond market, for example, decades worth of trends were broken. And I'm talking about obviously the bond markets, which I've just referenced, and also inflation. And I think they're the two places to start. It was an extraordinary year. People weren't used to this. Oh, completely. I mean, people are used to some bad news means good news by the market, and buying the dip didn't work in 2022. And in fact, if you look at 2022, the only thing that worked was being long the dollar and being long energy equities and perhaps a smattering of hedge funds. But but genuinely, it was almost impossible to make money. And, and you're right, there was a big change in 2022. And the word I keep seeing at the moment is regime change. That's the new expression, regime change. And I think it's a realisation that the world that we've lived in for a very long time now, where central banks keep interest rates very low and inflation is non-existent, has changed. And whether that's transitory or structural, the reality is I think inflation stays higher for longer than many of us have expected it to. Yeah. And, and it's a big change for markets because ultimately it determines the cost of capital and the cost of capital has risen. The other thing that 2022 shouts at you is that most asset classes went in the same direction, whereas normally you know, bonds do this and equities do that. But this year, certainly for good periods of last year, everything went in the wrong direction. Well, actually, if you look at bond markets, you'd expect them to go in the same direction as equities. I always find this so amazing that everyone says, oh, but bonds didn't protect you. Bonds have only protected in the past because inflation was non-existent. Why would you want to be in bonds when inflation is higher than the yield you're getting? In real terms, you're going backwards. So I actually think it makes a lot of sense that bond markets and equity markets went in the same direction. You know, if you buy a 30-year bond, you're buying a long-duration asset. If you buy a US technology stock, you're buying a long-duration asset. If interest rates are going up, both of those asset classes have come under pressure and inflation's going up. So I, I, I don't agree with the argument that it made no sense. The only thing that made sense in 2022 is you had to have non-correlated assets, which were the hedge funds, you know, market neutral funds, CTA, global macro. There are plenty of places to hide in 2022 from a hedge fund perspective and an energy equities perspective. But, but all equity markets are going to be impacted when the cost of capital goes up. We talk about the great reset in the world. I think the great reset is the fact that valuations have come down now because the cost of capital has risen. We're no longer living in a world of zero interest rates. Yeah, and that's very interesting. That's obviously had an effect on the corporate balance sheets and the corporate prospects. But also, it's almost like a precursor to what many people are saying is going to be a recession. And I think most people will agree that that is upon us. I mean, I saw existing home sales growth at the lowest level in the United States since 2010 last week. And um, I think it's just a question of choosing whether it's going to be shallow or deep, this uh, so-called recession. Well, I think the part of the reason people worry about the recession is because they worry about what's going to happen to earnings. And when I look at earnings forecasts, they still look way too bullish for me from a bottom-up perspective. Even if we have a slow, we a shallow recession, I still think we're going to have some big pressure on earnings going forward because, you know, I think wages have held back for a long time, but people want higher wages now. I think you're going to start to see demand falling, which is going to cause um, margin pressure in companies. You've had commodities rising and then falling, but they're starting to rise again. That's going to be another pressure on companies. Plus, if you look at 
margins, they're at peak levels. You know, they haven't really come all back all the way post the pandemic. So we've got, still got peak margins. We've got pressure on the consumer. Yeah, I think earnings are going to come down regardless of what kind of recession you're going to have. Now, admittedly, if we have a deep recession, earnings will be terrible. But I still think markets are way too optimistic on where the earnings are going. So even if it's a shallow one, I still think markets are too optimistic. Do you think... So, um, yeah, I stick to... Sorry, do you, Sorry? Do you think the markets today, as we speak, have already discounted a recession and also a compression of earnings in whatever country you favour? You know, it's such a difficult question to answer at the moment because... The markets still seem to be playing the playbook of old, which was that bad economic news is great for markets because Fed will cut rates. Uh, and our view is that the Fed doesn't cut rates or pause as much as the market's anticipating because the market's pricing in sort of very quickly 200, 300 basis point cut in rates. So what the market's saying to you is doesn't matter what earnings are doing. It doesn't matter what the recession's doing. The Fed will cut rates. Liquidity is the only thing that drives markets. Stay long. Because to answer your question another way, I don't think markets are pricing a recession or poor earnings. I think all they're obsessed about at the moment is what the Fed's going to do next. And I think it's missing a big picture. So if you look at credit spreads, they're pretty tight. If one would expect you know, recession to be coming, credit spreads would be a lot wider and they're not. Maybe it's a question of time. Maybe markets still, still think the labor market's going to hold it together and we're not going to see any big unemployment numbers coming our way. But I certainly don't think the markets are priced in a recession. Or, or even weaker earnings. I think the markets are still saying, we're back at the old playbook, Fed will save the day, a 2018, a 2020, they'll just cut rates and we're back to the races. And that's just not what I believe. Mm, so you've got the Fed put option always to lean on. Let's look forward to 2023 now and maybe even beyond. Do you think inflation will remain sticky? There's, there's some positive signs. It's been coming down in certain jurisdictions. But I don't know, I still think that perhaps there's going to be some stickiness, especially with the oil price closing in on $90 a barrel. What do you think? Well, I think, first of all, the oil price affects more sort of headline inflation numbers. And I think it's the core numbers that the Fed and other central banks are following. And core remains quite sticky still. And core is ultimately about wage inflation. And the job market is very tight. It's very tight in the UK. It's very tight in the US. And it's pretty tight in Europe. Different story in emerging markets, but let's just stick to developed markets here. So I think inflation is going to be much harder to get from sort of 4% to 2%. And the analogy I was explaining to somebody recently was when you're overweight and you say you're 10 to 15K is overweight. I can relate the to first that. Couple of, <laughs> well, in my life, having it's easy to lose the first bit of first few kilograms. But that last two or three, it just seems impossible. And I kind of equate that to the inflation story. I think it's quite easy to come off these very high numbers from a base effect perspective. And I think we'll see inflation coming in. And I, it's no doubt that inflation's probably peaked as going lower. But I think to get back to the 2% level, that might be a lot more difficult to do. And I think there's the reason for that, I think the job dynamics have changed quite materially around the world. I think COVID has changed people's attitudes to work. And I think people expect, will say to themselves, you either pay me properly or I'm going somewhere else. You know, life is short and I still think we're in that world. So I'm not convinced that the wage inflation falls as quickly as the Fed would like it to. And I also don't, I don't see the Fed getting inflation back to 2% without a recession. So yeah, I'm in the camp that says inflation comes down, but to go to 2%, I think is a big ask. And I think we're going to be around for a lot longer with a higher cost of capital and higher inflation numbers. But look, it's not the end of the world. I mean, equity markets can do very nicely in sort of 3 to 4% inflation regimes. But I just think in the short term, markets have run ahead of themselves. Okay. 
So in other words, the Fed will keep a watchful eye on inflation and won't be too overexcited about the recent falls and will continue to raise rates. Is that what you're saying? I'm using the Fed because it's the world's biggest central bank. Look, I think what's happening in 2023, we, we spend a lot of time focusing on the Fed and whether the Fed will raise rates by 25 bips or 50 bips and the market seems to think it's 25 bips and maybe that will be good news. I think what's happening in China is the real reason markets have rallied this year. It's, I think it's less to do with inflation in America and more to do with what's happening in China. And you can see that when you're like markets like the JSC, you know, all-time highs in the JSC, FTSE all-time highs, sort of commodity counters doing really well, Chinese equities doing really well. I think that's more the story for 2023. And I think the risk there, if China does come back, the reopening trade really takes off, and there's a lot of question marks around that, then I think oil prices go up again. So I think the Fed's got, I think the markets are being too optimistic on inflation in the US. But, but equally, I don't think they're wrong to be optimistic about China. I, I think China, we saw the reopening playbook of the rest of the world, does tend to be good for markets. And that market hasn't been open for three years, basically, or the economy hasn't. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of reason to be very optimistic about emerging markets. But in the very short term, though, and this is a short term call. So if you have clients with long term views, ignore what I'm saying. But but in the short term, when I speak to hedge fund managers, multi-asset managers, they're all saying the market's moved up too fast. Time to take a bit of profits. But, but medium term, still like the story, particularly in emerging markets. That's very much the theme I picked up having interviewed a whole bunch of fund managers in the last week, that the people are feeling very optimistic, finally, on emerging markets. That's interesting because I was speaking to someone yesterday who was, he's a seasoned and wily old fund manager. And he said, mm -hmm. um, at the time when we were recording, the all share was up about one and a quarter percent, Joanne. And he said, I look out the window and I think sell, and I look at my screen and I think buy. It's very difficult to work out South Africa, particularly domestically focused stocks. I actually think it's much easier than you think. I mean, because this is the question I ask my managers all the time. You know, we know we're at stage six, stage five, whatever number you want to throw at us at the moment for electricity. And we know the difference between the haves and haves not is going to get much worse in this country. But, but you've got to recognize the JSC is not the South African economy. No. It really isn't. So I think when I last heard SA Domestic Counters or SA Inc. Incorporated make up 40% of the market. 60% is driven by factors that have nothing to do with South Africa. So whether it's your platinum mines, your you know diversified miners, it's your Richmonds, it's your NUSPAS, your process, a lot of these companies aren't going to be deriving their earnings from South Africa. So somebody was telling me, and I could be wrong on this, BHP Billiton doesn't even have subsidiaries in South Africa anymore. All their earnings offshore just happens to be listed here. Now, of course, there are going to be miners that are very much SA-focused, and those will probably struggle because of Transnet and the railways, and you can't even get stuff to ports at the moment. Nothing's working. and There's no power. But there are a lot of companies at JSC, again, just to reiterate, that have nothing to do with South Africa. Yes. So when we look out the window and we go, oh, gosh, there's no power, that doesn't have a huge bearing on the stock market. I mean, another good example of this, to move it away from the JSC, is the FTSE. You know, the FTSE is dominated by major global players. The FTSE went through to all-time highs, and yet people in the UK are absolutely depressed. And yet their stock market's going up, and you'd say, well, how's that possible? Well, the fact is, a lot of the smaller and mid-cap companies are domestic in the UK, and the larger cap companies are miners. So, so you have a situation where I think China has a far bigger pool on what happens here at our local equities than, than necessarily 
local fundamentals do, because if it was all about local fundamentals, this market would be half the price. You mentioned load shedding or power cuts, and you seemed, oh, it's mm-hmm. just, you were sort of blasé about it. You almost dismissed it and said, oh, oh it's just electricity. What about the small business on a Saturday morning, as this chap that no, I no, spoke no, to no. yesterday Lindsay, said, please. the hairdresser, you know, the snack bar, whatever it is. No, 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 no please don't misunderstand me. I think it's the worst thing to ever happen to this country. So there are two things at the moment that really worry me about South Africa. Obviously, load shedding is one of them and lack of any sort of political will to fix it properly. But the other issues are our very cosy relationship with China and Russia at the moment. Also, you know, that's not great headlines around the world. That's very disturbing, I have to say. That really disturbs me. No, well, it disturbs most rational people in this country. Uh, You know, we've got Nale Pandor talking to the you know, ambassador of Russia and welcoming him with open arms. It's very worrying. And you kind of, if you're a real big conspiracy theorist here, and I think I tweeted about this today, you kind of wonder if government have been behind the load shedding because are we going to get Kapal ships? Who knows who's going to make money out of that? Are we going to get a nuclear deal through our friends in Russia? You know, will that solve our electricity problems? So these things are connected. And please don't misunderstand me. I think it's dreadful for South Africa. I'm just highlighting stock markets are not the local economy. That's all I'm trying to say here. I'm not for one minute saying it's not awful. Understood. Because South Africa at the moment, we're very upset by this because, again, I think I said in the beginning, the difference between the haves and the have-nots is just going to get worse in South Africa. So if you have a lot of money here, you can go off-grid. You can spend your 300, 400,000 rand and get your solar panels and your inverter and your batteries and you'll be okay. But for everybody else, the middle classes and low income groups, it's a total nightmare and they're going to start losing jobs. So not only will they not be able to feed their children because they're not employed, they won't even be able to cook the food they brought home. I mean, it's it's a disaster, Lindsay. Yeah. I, I please, please don't misunderstand me. But, no, no, no. It's, but just, again, it's just the way you said it, Joanne. You know, I mean, you know, I like to uh, initiate an argument <laughs> when, when we speak. So. <laughs> no, no. I, I guess where I'm coming from is anyone listening to this, I don't want anybody to think that I'm not absolutely horrified by what I'm seeing and, and terribly upset as an African. Because, you know, this is still my country and I love it. But but I get terribly upset by what I'm seeing right now. But But at the same time... You know, we invest people's money and, you know, our bond market is giving you incredibly attractive yields. The dollar's weakening and you can get very nice yields in, you know, even dollar terms today because the dollar's weakened against the rand. Well, not the rand, but more it is, is and isn't. <laughs> it mm-hmm. tends to vacillate. Yes. But the dollar's weakened against lots of other currencies. You know, you've got, emer- you've got the emerging markets here, the equity market doing really well through NASPAS process, Richmond, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, maybe the property market struggles in Joburg, for instance, as a tiny example of what's happening, but there's still money to be made here and, and clients can still make money. But doesn't mean I don't think you should have money offshore because I think ultimately, and to paraphrase a fund manager I spoke to this week, there is a very real risk this Africa becomes a value trap. Okay. If you thought Sarri was a company, would you invest in it? Well, this is what I want to go on to now uh, for the last uh, few minutes of this. 2023 is, uh, you know, a few weeks in now, and you use the phrase make money in your last answer to my question. And how are you going to make money this year? Well, I, mean, I think I think earnings will come through for a lot of local companies in the second half of the year. I think you're going to see the bond market give you very attractive yields. There are a number of South African counters that are still on very low PE multiples with decent earnings coming through. I think miners will continue to do better towards the tail off of the year as we start seeing proper economic data coming out of China, because I think in the short term it's going to be quite weak out of China, but ultimately better. 
you know, the consumer in China is going to be a huge lift up from the government now because they're getting rid of the three red lines. They're trying to get their money for property again. They're trying to stop meddling in their companies. And I think that will be good for the likes of Nuspers and Process by the 10 cent route. So there are companies here that will do well. And offshore, you know, a lot of European shares are very, very cheap. Japan is cheap. And Asian equities are offering great returns because the last 10 years has been all about the U.S. markets. So one of the big consensus call I'm hearing from people, and I think I might have said this before, is, you know, the last 10, 15 years belong to America. Who's to say now that value strategies don't do better, emerging market equities don't do better, as the earnings start coming through in different regions of the world? I, I think, you know, we've been betting against America for as long as I've almost been in markets. Mm-hmm. And maybe now is the time it eventually works. <laughs> we've all said that a few times yeah. but maybe now's the time it eventually works yeah it's a broken clock is always right twice <laughs> twice a day <laughs> Joanne you, you know but are you optimistic yeah. about the year I mean you and your clients you do a lot of podcasts you speak to the brainiest people in South Africa when it comes to financial markets especially but what's the general feeling am I optimistic Optimism. you and your, the people that you, you hobnob with every day I hobnob with. Um, it's, I'm finding markets very tricky at the moment. Uh, the speed of the rally has surprised me, I'll be honest. So that's, I'm finding that quite tricky. I would not be rushing to buy the markets right now. But I do think as the year t- goes towards the close, I think we'll be closer to the fact that the Fed will then pause or cut rates going into 2024. So it feels to me that it still might be tricky for the next couple of months. I think the markets rallied far too hard on on what they think is good news. I think earnings will disappoint, but out of those bad earnings will become the, the glimpse of new earnings going forward. So right now, I would have to be say that I think local equities are giving you pretty good visibility on earnings, some good companies, some decent PE multiples. Offshore, a bit more difficult. I think you have to be looking to value strategies, so Europe, emerging markets, Asia, Japan. I still think you underweight US. So yeah, there are lots of pockets of opportunity, and I particularly like SA bonds. You know, I'm just maybe I'm a very simple human being, but when I get very decent real yields on something without taking a massive amount of risk on the long end of the bond market, I think it's a quite nice return to have. If you've got a living annuity or retirement annuity in South Africa, you pay no tax on that. I think it's a very decent returns. Okay, so SA Bonds, top of the list. Joanne, thank you so much for your insight. And it's been too long. We mustn't leave it two months again. Joanne Bainham is at Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.